When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code SPOTIFY to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code SPOTIFY at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code SPOTIFY. Welcome back to the Final Four is not on the schedule. He is Rod, I am Cam, uh, and we're back to preview Rutgers today. Uh, Rutgers comes into this one 7-2, and 3-2 uh, and two in the Big Ten, coming off a loss, a uh, tough loss at home to Iowa this weekend. Um, so they're 19th overall in Ken Palm, 17th on offense, uh, and 28th on defense, playing at a 144 tempo rod, which is significantly higher than they've been under Peichel, um by quite a bit. Yeah, it, it's it's a it's it's definitely a remarkable change. Um, you know, uh, for. Really, for five years now, this is Michael's fifth year, I believe. You know, it, it, since he got that job, I've been talking about um, what was going to be the evolution of Rutgers. And you know, as we've talked about many times here, it, he started with the things that he could start with, which was defense and rebounding. Since those are things that, and, and I'm generalizing here, but by and large can be easier to put together early before you've really had a chance to make your recruiting work for you. Um, and Rutgers did that and were competitive almost immediately from him getting his getting that job. Now, competitive is different than good, but they were competitive at least based on those things. Um, and you know, my feeling was always it was going to be a multi-year process to get the talent elevated, that scoring would be the last thing that would come online for mm-hmm. Rutgers. And indeed, that's what's happened. Now, what's what's occurred is that rather than uh, – it's a combination of things. I think he definitely has recruited better, but let's be honest. He really hasn't lit it up in recruiting. This year when he got Cliff Omarui, who is it looks like is not going to play in this game, big man, mm-hmm. who was a, a top 30, 40 recruit, uh, that's the first really elite recruit he signed. What's happened is guys who were good recruits that he signed, like Ron Harper Jr. especially, but others, Montez Mathis, you know, Geo Baker, these guys have just gotten better. And and now we are seeing it come to fruition with an offense that is not just better than it's ever been, but it's orders of magnitude better. Let let's just keep in mind, um, Rutgers last year we all know was a good team. They were heading for the NCAA tournament, right? Yeah. Um, last year their offense was seventy two. They're currently sitting at 17. That's a significant bump up. And again, it's not because he's all of a sudden got uh, a whole new crew of, um, of players doing this. It's 
the same guys. They've just gotten better. I mean, Harper mm-hmm. Jr., we're going to talk about, is a really remarkable story because he's he's the son of a longtime NBA player, Ron Harper Sr., who was uh, a, a big, big star with the Cleveland Cavaliers early in his career. And then he was kind of a support player for the first uh, phase of the Jordan dynasty, the first three titles. He was on those teams. Um, and that was after he'd been hurt and wasn't quite the same guy athletically. But he was a very, very good NBA player. But his son was not heavily recruited. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a nothing recruit, but I don't believe he was a top 100 guy. And he has just continued. He was pretty good as a freshman. And then last year, he took a big step up. But he was still only like a 35% three-point shooter. Well, this year he's knocking on the door of 50%. <laughs> and he's a 6'5", 235-pound wing, basically, even though he's playing small ball four for them this year. Um, and, uh, you know, you put that physicality together with now great three-point shooting, well, you get a guy who's scoring 22 points plus a game. So that's an example of what's gone on. They just, they, it's, well, it's, it's uh, actually, I'm going to back off that. It's a combination of guys getting better year on year. And also, I do think they had a little bit of good fortune this year in kind of a weird way. Geo Baker has been basically a headline guy his whole career for them. He's been one of their top players. And the last couple years, I would say he's been the number one option, even though I, I don't think his efficiency suggested he should have been. Uh, he's been hurt a little bit this year. And I think the absence of him in the lineup allowed other guys, most notably Jacob Young and Paul Mulcahy, to play more minutes. And uh, Young would have played a lot anyway, but Mulcahy has played a lot more. And I think, and now the Bakers come back, he's fitting in rather than being the ball-dominant guy he had been at earlier points in his career. And so I think that's helped Rutgers, too, mm-hmm. is that just that team orientation has de- has developed a little bit more, and they've found a better fit for everybody on that in that playing group on that roster. Um, if we look at it a little bit in detail on offense, 41st in the country in e-field goal percentage, 39% from three as a team, which is fantastic, and 67th uh, from two. So they're shooting it well inside and outside the arc. They also value the ball well. Uh, they're at number 19 in turnover percentage. The, the funny thing is one of the only two things that are holding them back at all is offensive rebounding, which was a strength early in Peichel's tenure, but this is not a great rebounding team. They're actually significantly worse than MSU statistically, believe it or not. They're at number 111 in offensive rebounding percentage. Now, they've never finished lower than 53rd under Peichel before this season. So that's a big jump downward. Um, on the other hand, you can say they're shooting it so much better they don't need all those offensive rebounds as yeah. much, which there's there's a valid point there, but they're, they're not as good. And, and I think the reason for that, is fairly obvious. It's that they're not big. They're they're playing a small ball lineup for the most part. I mentioned Harper Jr. is playing a lot of four, and they just don't have that same kind of size that they've you know they've been one of the biggest teams in the country mm-hmm. most of Michael's tenure, and so that's helped. Um, they're not that anymore, and and so 
consequently, they're not as strong on the offensive glass. So that's one thing. But then the, the biggest thing is free throw shooting. And we'll return to this. They shoot 60% as a team. That's number 322 in the nation. That's really, really, really bad. <laughs> so I would say not just this game, but for the season for Rutgers, that's a problem. Because in the Big Ten, as we know, you frequently find yourself in very close games. And especially this year with, you know, everybody being good. I mean, we just saw Nebraska, who right now would be most people's pick for the worst team in the league. Nebraska's got players, right? (laughs) So on the right night, they could rise up and hang with just about anybody. I believe that. Um, If you can't close games out, I think it, it could be a problem for winning close games, I think it could be a problem for Rutgers um, for um, holding on to leads late in games, you know, not allowing slamming the door shut on teams, not allowing them to come back by fouling and, you know, playing that game. Uh, it's a problem. It's a legitimate issue for them. Mm-hmm. Defensively, you mentioned their 28th. That's a slip from last year where they were number six. They're really, really good. But 28's not bad. That's certainly nothing to be ashamed of. The 23rd and block percentage, which, you know, they've been high in that number for the last several years, again, due to all that size. But it's funny. That's really the only area they excel in. Their, their overall rating is more a function of not being bad in anything rather than being really, really good. Um, just as an example, they're number 131 against twos, which is surprising given their block percentage status. Usually those numbers tend to go hand in hand. Mm. If you block a lot of shots, you're generally pretty good in the modern era against two-pointers. They're not. They were number 13 in that area a year ago. So that means people are finding some success at the rim and just inside the arc in general. Um, so it's slippage defensively, but it's it's not bad. They're just – they're not – they're not the same kind of, you know, grind it, um, win ugly kind of team, uh, that they've been. Even their tempo. Now we've, we've had conversations where it seems like every team in the league this year is suddenly in the top 30 yeah. in tempo. <laughs> uh, Rutgers is an exception, but not as much as they used to be. They're at 144. That's middling nationally, but it's by far the fastest that they've ever played under mm-hmm. Steve Peichel. So we, we can see what's happening here. They're just, they've got better players or they've got guys playing better. And that's leading to more of an emphasis on the offensive end. The defense still good, just not as boa constrictor like as it's been in recent years, especially last year. So Rod, is this, I mean, their three point percentage, you'd mentioned 39%. I mean, last yeah. year they were 295 in three-pointers. Right. Now they're 23. Is right. this sustainable? I mean. Well, you know, it's kind of like these conversations at times can be kind of like the stock market. <laughs> where mm. There's the old line about, you know, um, and I'll see if I can get this right, about and, – and, uh, that the the stock market, you know, an overvalued stock can outdo reality, so to speak. That um, you can look at you can look at a number and say this is not sustainable, and lose your shirt while you're waiting for the correction that you know <laughs> is inevitable to come. Right? Yeah. That's the point. 
I, I butchered that phrase, <laughs> but that, you get the point though. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an old line about the stock market and it, 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 I think it applies to things like this as well. You can say, yeah, that's a massive, massive jump up without a lot of difference in the guys who are playing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always the possibility that, you know, you can say guys just got better and that happens. Guys do get better, you know. Um, Ron Harper Jr. is an example. He was a poor three-point shooter as a freshman. He was decent as a sophomore, and he's great now as a junior. That progression does happen with guys. You know, we saw it at Michigan State. I mean, if you remember, and I, I'm not going to look up the stats, but I know somebody like Denzel Valentine was not a great three-point shooter as a freshman. Yeah. He was okay, but that was not the strength of his game. By the time he was a senior, he was lethal. You know, so it does happen with guys, and Rutgers now is a team that has, in the parlance of the day, has gotten old. When you look at this lineup, it's a lot of juniors and seniors. Mm. So they've got guys who have been around. So when you ask, is it sustainable? The only the only thing I can say is maybe, which is a cop out, I know, but um, you would think that some of these guys are going to see, you know, Harper Jr. Especially, he's at forty eight point something percent from three. I would expect that comes down a little bit at some point in the season, but I don't know when that's going to happen. You know, as a team, thirty nine percent is really really good, but. You know, if I said, well, they're going to, they're going to end up 37 and a half percent, that wouldn't be unreasonable. Yeah. You know, it would be a, it would be a, a dip, but it wouldn't be like the bottom fell out. I don't think the bottom's going to fall out. I think that they've, you know, Geo Baker is a guy who's still struggling with his three, but he's not taking as many shots. And they've got these other guys. Young has improved dramatically. Mulcahy shot it well in limited attempts. And then Mathis and, and Harper Jr. have gone way up. Um, I, I think that, I think that it might be, you know, in a loose use of the term sustainable. I think they're probably going to be a good shooting team. It's just to what degree. Uh, so if we look at the the starters, uh, Geo Baker, six four senior, um, who's he missed three games earlier in the year, but he's moved back into the starting lineup. Ten point two points a game, forty from the floor, twenty seven from three, and seventy three from the line. Uh, but he's also registering three assists a game. Yeah, and as I said, I think the fact that at least what I've observed. If you, if you looked at him last year or the year before, he was often just the guy who just Rutgers turned to and he was going to be, the offense was going to live or die on his shoulders mm-hmm. because he was a guy who could get his own shot. You know, he had, he had the look of a guy who should be the alpha on a team, but, uh, but his efficiency numbers were never really there. I mean, there was in the preseason this year, there was a lot of hype around Geo Baker. And not as much. I'm talking about from national guys. Mm-hmm. And not nearly as much around Ron Harper Jr. We talked about it in the preview. And I said clear cut, Ron Harper Jr. is the best player on this team. Well, that's been proven out to be the case pretty, pretty definitively. But, um, I think that 
they can succeed with this version of Geo Baker because he's fitting in as opposed to I got to be the guy, you know, because he's not built for that. His efficiency has never suggested he's that player. You know, if you're Cassius Winston and you shoot 40% plus from three on your career, and you just have a knack for making, you know, big shots and you're a consistent shooter, you know, and you play, you're a great playmaker, all those things. Okay. You get to be the guy. Um, Geo Baker was not ever that guy. Yeah. Uh, Jacob Young, um, probably one of the more surprising elements on this lineup here. 16 I'd agree. Senior, uh, Averaging 15.7 points a game, 49 from the floor, 44 from three, and 78 from the line. Uh, he's one of their major <clears throat> contributors here. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> last year he was an energy guy. And he wasn't a bad player, but he wasn't a particularly um, efficient, efficient one either. Um, you know, I'm just real quickly as we're talking here. I'm calling up the stats because you mentioned his current stats. So last year at Rutgers, now he played a lot less. He's averaging 34 minutes a game this year. Last year he was at 21.3, so it was a different role. But he scored about half as many points. He was at 8.5 points a game this year. He's at 15.7. But if you look at his shooting, he was 46% from the floor overall, so not that much of a difference between this year's 50. But from three, he was 28%. He's at 44 now. Free throw line last year, 59%. He's at 78 now. His assists have gone from 1.9 a game to 5.2. I mean, he's just a a much, much better, more efficient player. And and that's a big deal. You know, he's a, he's a very athletic guy. You know, he's kind of, um, you know, Rutgers, Rutgers is an athletic team, which is funny because you just didn't ever really think that of them. But when you look at these guys, Geo Baker's always been a pretty decent athlete. Jacob Young is a really good athlete. Harper Jr. is a better athlete than you think, you know. Mm-hmm. They've got guys. And, and Young really is the, I mean, he averages two and a half steals a game. Now they're not a, like Michigan State, they're not a defense that's built on that, but he's very disruptive, obviously. Because in a, in, a, in a defensive approach that's not predicated on forcing turnovers, he's doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think you could make a pretty good argument that the Rutgers um, improvement, and I do think they're better than last year, and they were good last year, but I think this is a better team, um, is predicated on two things that have happened. One is Harper Jr. has gone from good player to star. And then Jacob Young and Montez Mathis have gone up a level. Mm-hmm. I think it's those two things. As if you want to really simplify it, that's a pretty good place to to go to. Uh, and Montez Mathis, you mentioned six five junior, averaging fifteen point three points a game, forty seven forty one from three, and fifty one from the line. Uh, but he also gets four, a little over four rebounds a game. Yeah. Now, again, this is another guy. So Montez Mathis last year and his minutes have gone up too. he played 23 minutes a game last year. He's at 31 this year. Um, So we factor that in. But just the efficiency numbers last year, 42 percent from the floor overall, 50 percent this year. Last year, 30 percent from three, 41 percent from three this year. And he's almost doubled the attempts. Um the one area of concern is his free throw shooting has regressed. He's gone from 66 
to 51 and he's taking more than double. So that's a negative, but, um, yeah, overall, you know, it's, we're talking about a guy who has taken his shooting, his overall offensive game clearly up a level. And, and with he and Young both doing that, that's, that's elevated the whole. It's made it easier for them to get through this period where Baker was hurt. And they've been, that's the thing. Rutgers has been a little banged up. Um, you know, they've not had a game yet this year where they had everybody mm. who was expected to be in their rotation. I'm not suggesting, look, Harper Jr. would be the one that would be a major loss. And they did have him missing for a, a game against Purdue that they won without him. But that's the thing. Mathis and Young elevating is what's enabled them to even win a game like that that a year ago you couldn't have imagined them winning without Harper, you know? Uh, yeah, so you mentioned Harper, 6'5", uh, junior, 22 points a game, 54 from the floor, 48 from three, 56 from the line, uh, and seven boards a game. Yeah, he, he's just – he's a really, really difficult cover because he's always had pretty good ability to get to the rim – He's 235 pounds, and and he looks every bit of it. Like, he is the definition of a power guard, and and that's what separates him from his old man. His dad was really the first guy I can remember who got tagged with the next Jordan label. Mm -hmm. He's only like a year or two younger than Jordan. Um, but, but he came along and Jordan had taken the, the game by storm. And so people were then looking, okay, who's the next guy who could be a two way player, a super athlete on the wing. His dad was that, but his dad was built like a Jordan. Ron Harper Jr. is not built that way. Ron Harper Jr. is a tank, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, but, but that kind of, I feel like his body is both a positive for him and that it enables him to finish really well around the basket because he's strong. It helps him create space, all of those things. It helps him as a, as a rebounder. But um, it also kind of obscures the fact that he's a pretty damn good athlete in his own right. I don't think he's the athlete his dad was but pre-injury, but that's a high standard. He's a good athlete. And now he's added the skill element where he's hitting from range, you know. And, um, yeah, he's – He's the real deal, and and this is going to be a big problem for Michigan State because with him playing a lot at the four, you've got to try to match up with him. Now, the obvious choice, right, is Aaron Henry, one would think, right? That's the guy you would want to cover Mathis, but that that creates some issues Mm -hmm. because I, I wonder about the lineups Michigan State can play under those circumstances, you know, um, in the starting group, it's okay to an extent, except then you've got to wonder, well, who do Hauser and Kithier cover, you know? Yeah. Cause and I don't, I don't know the, I don't know the answer. They're like that. So six, five, six, four, six, five guys. And then the one giant, Michael yeah. Johnson. And, and Izzo talked about how he felt Nebraska really did a lot of damage by doing exactly what Rutgers does kind of regularly. They were playing, you know, four guard or sometimes even, you know, five guard lineups. And so a lot of times Michigan State had somebody, which which helps that plus missing a tooth, explains why Joey Hauser's minutes were more limited than normal in that Nebraska game. 
Um, oh, you know, is that what happened? Brett, he got a tooth knocked out? Yeah, when he remember when the kid swung his his elbow and connected with his face. That was um, that was uh, that was Joey Joey Hauser lost a tooth. Oh, um, so that explains it a little bit. But I also do think it was because in the second half, Nebraska was running Teddy Allen at the four a mm. lot. And Joey Hauser just can't cover him. Well, I'm here to tell you, I don't think Joey Hauser can really cover Ron Harper Jr. either. So I don't know what Michigan State's going to do. The flip side of it is Michigan State may feel like, hey, we got to go at him. We got to, you know, we, we have a size advantage and we've got to go to that and see if we can make them pay more than they make us pay. But given how good these guys are, that could be challenging. Mm. So. Uh, so the last guy in their starting lineup, Miles Johnson, 6'11", 270, uh, junior, um, who's been in the starting lineup primarily because of Omarui's knee injury. Uh, he's been out for the last three games. Um, so he's, but, uh, Johnson's eight points a game, eight, a little over, or just under nine rebounds, 59% from the floor and 48% from the line. Yeah. And, and two blocks a game. Uh, frankly, I, I know why Rutgers was doing it, why they were starting Omarui. It's, I mean, he, he's a talented kid, but it's also, I think, related to establishing your recruiting footprint. Mm. You know, it doesn't necessarily look great to have the first marquee recruit you've, you've signed not starting. I, I, I have to assume that because every game I've seen them play, when he was in the lineup, when he was able to, Johnson is a better player. I mean, Johnson's experienced. He's been around. He he doesn't do anything physically to wow you, but because of his size and he's and he's a smart kid, and he just kind of gets it and knows how to play. He's effective. The numbers aren't eye popping scoring wise, but he's efficient around the rim. The big negative, the free throw shooting, as you said, but he's very important because with them going small, you know, when your one big is really really big. That helps. That gives you a backstop. And it's why Rutgers can compete against the Iowas and the Illinois this year. Mm-hmm. Because they beat Illinois and they, they lost to Iowa in a very close game. Um, they've got a guy physically who can hang with the Garzas and the Coburns. Even if he's not quite that level of player, physically he's, he's in the ballpark. Um, so he's a really important guy. Um, now he has never been a guy that I would describe as in great shape. And so, you know, I don't know how many, I guess I should have looked at this, um, how many minutes he's playing. Certainly his minutes are up this year, but I don't think they're where, um, you know, you would expect. Yeah, and he's at 23 minutes a game, which is actually slightly down from last year. Now, some of that's a reflection of the games that Omarui was in the lineup. Mm-hmm. The, the point is they can't. They can't play him 35 minutes a night. It doesn't work. So with Omarui out, that does create an issue for Rutgers. They do have to find um, some other big man minutes, and their options are kind of limited without Omarui in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then coming off the bench, McKayhee, uh Paul McKayhee, 6'6", sophomore guard, uh, averaging 6.7 points a game, 4.3 rebounds, 49 from the floor, 40 from three, and 80 from the line. Yeah, and also more than three assists in a reserve role. I think he's a guy that I 
his numbers are a little better than, than this comparison would suggest. But um, I look at him as the perimeter version of uh, Thomas Kith here. And this is what I mean. There are guys who don't do anything that really knocks you out or impresses you athletically, you know, that type of thing. But they have an understanding of how to play, and they just seem to find the ball, find themselves in space, and find a way to make plays. And that is Mulcahy. That's who he is. I I had said in our preseason that I thought getting him a bigger role was critical to improving Rutgers offensively because he was the closest thing I thought they had to a real point guard. Now, Jacob Young has kind of obliterated that a little bit because he's really taken a step up that I didn't think he had in him mm-hmm. in terms of being a guy who could help make an offense go. Uh, but Mulcahy's been a huge part of that too because Baker was out for three games. And so Mulcahy's minutes went up and Rutgers continued to play well. Um, I'm really impressed with him. And the shooting numbers are a step up from his freshman year. I mean, if he could shoot 40% from three, wow. I mean, that's... That's tough. He's got good size at six six, good vision. He passes well. Um, I just, I like him. I think he's quietly he's a really important part of this team. Mm-hmm. So, is do you think he's the a natural point guard? They would have him play um, him in the wing right now, right? Yeah, but at times he at, at times they share. You know, Rutgers doesn't have anybody who you look at and say, "Well, this is a true point." They don't yeah, have a Cassius Winston. I think Mulcahy is. The most creative passer they have. Mm. I absolutely do believe that. Um, and so in my opinion, he probably still is the closest thing, but I'm not, I can't bag on what Jacob Young's done. He's played really well. It's just, I think Jacob Young is more a function of other things than truly being a, a gifted creator and passer. Um, I don't think that's him as much as it is Mulcahy. Uh, and then Caleb McConnell, six six junior, um, who just actually played his first game of the season against Iowa um, last weekend, and only got eleven minutes there, went zero for five from the floor. Um, but a guy we would expect to see in this game. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, you know, he's a guy that that Peichel has always really liked, and has played a lot, even though his numbers weren't eye popping. Um, so I think that, again, this is what I was getting at. They haven't really been healthy fully all year. They haven't had all their parts. Um, but I think that McConnell's a guy who probably will see his role increase a bit from here. The question is how much because, you know, last year, that's one thing. You know, you got Mathis struggling to shoot. Young wasn't shooting very well. You know, okay, he was a freshman. You had – you had opportunities, right? This year, you look at that group and you say, well, who sits? Mm. But it, but it helps in terms of their depth for sure, because now you got another experienced guy. And this is a, you know, even though I said that they're, I've said probably more than once that they're playing smaller and they are, but this does not feel like a small team because they're big on the perimeter. I mean, that starting lineup, you know, Young's only 6'2", but, you know, 6'4", 6'5", 6'5", guys. And then their two guards we're talking about are each 6'6", off the bench. So they can throw lineups out there on the perimeter that have a lot of size. Mm. Uh, and then Mohamedou Ducour, a 6'10", senior, uh, 
who's played a little bit more recently with Omaruri out, um, averaging 1.2 points a game, 1.8 rebounds. Yeah, and and I've talked about him many times. He was actually the close before Omarui. He was the closest thing to a headline type recruit that um, Pico had landed, but he's just never panned out. Um, they have to play him now for as long as Omarui is out, which is some kind of knee injury, and they they haven't said, oh, it's definitely a long term thing. But he's missed, I think, the last three games or so, yeah. and doesn't seem they're not talking as if he's coming back anytime soon. So Ducor at least gives him a guy physically who can play the part, um, and he'll he'll get a couple turns against Michigan State. I'm pretty sure about that. Mm. Uh, and then the other big to have is a, a freshman, Dean Reber. Um, 1.6 points a game, 1.4 rebounds, 43 from the floor, nothing from three, and 83% from the line. Yeah, um, his rep was as a um, floor stretcher, like a four-man floor stretcher type uh, coming out of high school. Uh, sometimes that doesn't translate right away, uh, and it hasn't translated thus far, but he's another guy who probably will see some minutes just because they do need a little more size. You know, I thought Rutgers was probably going to go this year with Omarui and Johnson starting alongside each other. But I think Pico, being a smarter basketball person than I am, realized that the better choice was to go smaller with more skilled guys, and that's panned out. Um, you know, I thought Reber would be a guy who would be in line to also get four minutes, but as it stands, he's probably mostly a five on this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, Mawat Mog, uh, six seven freshman, um, who's also back from injury. He ha- really hasn't played since uh, the end of November. Um, averaging ten minutes a game, two point six points, two point two rebounds, fifty from the floor, zero from three, and fifty from the line. Yeah, they they liked him because he fits the profile of some of these other guys that we've talked about that have really developed and nice players, Harper Jr., Mathis, they think in time he can be a strong wing type player or maybe an undersized four. Um, but as you say, he's just coming back from an injury. He didn't play in their loss against Iowa, even though reportedly he was healthy. So I don't know if he'll play in this game, um, but I got to throw him in there because when he was healthy, he was getting almost 10 minutes a night. So, mm-hmm. you know, he would be a small part of the rotation. Um, and that's probably all we'll see, I would think. And I don't know that we're going to even see all 10. Yeah. You know, that's 10 guys. It wouldn't surprise me if they played eight or nine. Mm-hmm. Um, so the number one key you got here, Rod, threes. Um, we've mentioned it before, 241 and threes against for MSU, uh, at least percentage-wise. Uh, and yeah. they're at 35.6 shooting. Yeah, now they're they're a little better than that because they limit threes a little better than that number would suggest. And and look, per, three point percentage against is at least in part a luck stat. You know, it is. Mm-hmm. The, the, we we say it all the time. The thing you can best control is the number of shots an opponent gets from out there, not so much their percentage, but. Regardless of what the reason is, Michigan State has had a really, really bad run with teams shooting threes against them. We saw it in you know, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Not a good three-point shooting team. And they were very they were close to 50%, right? They were in the 40s. 
in that game. So that's happened with a little too much regularity. It's like teams that shoot the three well, like a, like a Wisconsin shot it pretty decently. Teams that don't shoot the three well, like Nebraska shoot it pretty well. Mm-hmm. It just, there, there's no variance so far. Um, the Michigan state has not been terrible. They're at 35% as a team, and that's really with the last couple games, Minnesota and even the one against Nebraska, where they didn't shoot it very well as a team from three, and yet they're still okay. Um, I think this is a big part of this game. You know, um, if either team has a decided advantage in that area, it's probably going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then boards. Yeah, you know, as I said at the outset, this is not the normal Rutgers rebounding group we're used to saying. Um, And I do think that's explained in part by their lineup choices, which I I wouldn't argue with. I think they're doing the right thing. But I do believe it's showing up in their numbers, which, you know, for as much as we talk about Michigan State's rebounding being an issue, and I do think it is, um, statistically they've got an advantage at both ends. But then you look at the way they've rebounded in the in the league, and it hasn't been very good. You know, they've they've been pretty much even with everybody except for Minnesota, who really pounded them. So uh, MSU can't get beat again on the class. I mean, they gotta. This is going to be a game, even though this is not the, the Rutgers of old, where it's a rock fight. You know, you're still you're talking about a team that plays very hard, plays with physicality. They just are faster. In doing it now, uh, you've got to meet their effort, and that's going to show up in part on the glass. And Michigan State just has to find a way. Now, what's going to be interesting to me is if, as in the Nebraska game, Michigan State feels compelled to play a little smaller than they have been, and they might, you know, because of defensive issues. Uh, how does that end up? playing out on the glass it to me it says that something that we talk about all the time guys like gabe brown and josh (laughs) langford have got to be much better than they've been aaron henry will do his his Mm -hmm. thing most likely i'm okay with that but those other guys have got to show up uh you know yeah that's okay i I was going to say you know I'm, I'm relatively confident in the big guys. I just, I don't know how much, I don't know how the playing time's going to look. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that'll be interesting. Um, uh, and then turnovers. Uh, really, Michigan State has not been, that hasn't really been the problem in this kind of bad start to not the lately. season. Not uh, lately. But they've had a couple. also very good at, at protecting the ball, too. They're, they're really good. You know, Michigan State is, you would not say is really good, but they're at number 104 in turnover percentage nationally right now, which by the way is six spots higher than they finished last year, just for the record. Mm-hmm. Um, if it held up, it'd be the best team performance since the 2014-15 season. So believe it or not, better than the Denzel senior year team. Better than any team Cassius Winston played on. You know, we, we obviously that, that shouldn't really be a big surprise if you think about it because for as great as those guys, those two guys I just mentioned were as creators, they also committed their share of turnovers because they were trying to make things happen. Mm. So, but the, but the point is 
we harp on turnovers a lot for for good reason. But this Michigan State team, at least to date, has not been that bad. Um, I think we always talk about rebounding and turnovers jointly because they determine how many scoring attempts you get as a team. And so it's important for Michigan State to not have deficits in those areas, not big ones. If they have a little bit of a gap in turnovers, as I would expect, that's okay, provided they make up for it and have a little bit of an edge on the glass, on the offensive glass. Uh, and then transition. Uh, you'd mentioned it earlier, Rutgers playing the fastest that they've played under Peichel. Um Yes, and and that's true. But this is Michigan State. <laughs> and you don't go into a game against anybody and think that transition play should not be an edge for you. You know, now we saw real problems with the way Michigan State in the first half of that game, the way they handled or didn't handle Trey McGowan's. Um, Rutgers has some guys. Jacob Young is a guy who concerns me in that way. If I was Steve Peichel and I saw the tape of that Nebraska game, I might be saying to my guys like Jacob Young and Ron Harper Jr., hey, every chance you get, even if they're odd numbers, push it. See what happens. Be aggressive. You know, so Michigan State's got to be much better in that area. I thought offensively running the ball against Nebraska was pretty good. Rutgers is going to be a different deal because I think they'll be more disciplined. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, you just you got to you gotta find a way to have it be an advantage for you. Simple as that. Uh, and then free throws. I think you had mentioned it earlier, but man, they're 60% from the line, which is weird yeah. when you think of how good they're shooting from three. Right, which people might look at and say, well, that's an indication that they are outperforming from three. <laughs> um, it can be. I mean, usually, you know, oftentimes if you see a young player who shoots well at the line, like really well, like say they're a 75% plus guy from the line and they're struggling from three, that's a decent indicator that eventually their three-point shooting will improve because it suggests that they are in fact legitimately a good shooter mechanically etc and and that it eventually will translate in some way to live ball play um i don't know about the converse sometimes if you've got a guy who's proven good three-point shooter but they're just struggling at the line that can be mental it can be a lot of stuff can be going on but regardless Rutgers is really struggling, and the longer that goes, the bigger an albatross that's going to be because I guarantee you there is no way that that can continue and not cost them wins. It just You can't shoot that badly. If You would be saying it's a problem if they were seven or eight points higher than they are. If they were 67 or 68% free throw shooting team, you would look at it and say, eh, that's an area you probably want to see a little bit of an improvement in because it will be a difference maker in a game or two at least, um, 60%, that's a big problem. And Michigan State, 73 has been pretty consistent at the line. Um, so, again, if this game is close, that could be a factor. So it seems like we're seeing a lot of this, and I don't know if it's intentional, maybe be, at least for Rutgers it's due to the, some injuries, but – uh, having to deal with this small ball quite a bit. 
I, th- I think it's the evolution of the sport, right? Um, you're seeing it at the collegiate level or at, at the NBA level. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's, it, look, it's, it's a hell of a lot easier to land because the, the fact is there are more, in my view, and I think most people would agree with this, there are more six, five, six, 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 seven guys who can play than six, nine, six, ten, six, eleven guys. Yeah. So this has been coming. I mean, you know, Michigan State has done this in some ways, you know, although they've never had the last time they had a guy who I, I thought was a true small ball four. Well, Miles played a lot of four his freshman year, so he would qualify. Before that, maybe Allen Anderson, mm-hmm. his senior year. I mean, but MSU's had guys like Kenny Goins who fit the mold in some ways, but not in others. You know, he was a guy who could stretch the floor and he could guard a wide variety of people. So he fit in that way. It's just, he, he wasn't any kind of, you know, he didn't have any kind of off the dribble game. He wasn't a weapon in that respect. Mm. Um, but I, I think, I think it's just the way the game has evolved. You know, if you look, if you look at what's valued now, it's three point shooting and activity at the rim. And so guys who can hit threes and also go off the dribble, get to the basket, create fouls or finish at the, at the rim have a lot of value. And again, I think it's easier maybe to find those guys. Mm. So I don't think it's an accident. I don't think it's just because big 10 rosters happen to be laid out this way, but it's a, it's a problem if you're not really equipped to play against those teams. And, you know, Michigan State's kind of got, this is what I would look at and what I am thinking about in this game. Um, I would think this is a game where you might want to think seriously about a lot of time with a Malik Hall and Joey Hauser combination. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is Malik Hall, I think, has the tools physically to hang in there against a Harper Jr. I'm not saying he's going to stop him, but Malik Hall can guard guys like him. Whereas I don't know that I believe that Joey is equipped to do it. On the other hand, I think Joey Hauser, if he's playing well, and he's been off the last two games, we'll give him a pass for the last one, but he wasn't any good in Minnesota either. Um, if Joey Hauser is the Joey Hauser that we've seen often this year, especially against Wisconsin, mm-hmm. that could create an issue for Rutgers because Miles Johnson does not want to get out on the three point <laughs> That's true. to guard Joey Hauser. So that's a combination that I might think about leaning on a little bit heavier and not exclusively. Of course, Kithier's going to play, um, you know, you probably in this game, it wouldn't surprise me if we see more Aaron Henry at the four mm. than we've seen. That's another possibility. But I just, I look at it and I think that gives you your best chance. Now, Hauser guarding Johnson is not ideal because Johnson's got a huge size advantage and, um, you know, you don't want Joey getting in foul trouble. But, I probably would take my chances with that. 
as opposed to, you know, if they go with the norm, and, and it probably will be the normal house or Kithier starting lineup, but I'm not concerned about who starts. I'm concerned about who's playing. Yeah. You know, and, and I think, I think there's a case to be made for that, you know, and then when Johnson's off the floor, um, you know, that may be the time that you can get, you know, you can, you can sneak marble in there for a turn or you can get, um, you can get Sissoko in there, you know, but, uh, and maybe they get turns against Johnson to just, you know, to bang on him. But, um, I, I would lean toward that because I think, I think more often than not, the smaller, more athletic team seems to be winning these kinds of matches, these chess matches against bigger opponents. Yeah. You know, it, it's been the, the one issue that I've had watching Illinois this year. I think Illinois has got a lot of things to like about that team, but the one thing I don't like is they play their two bigs, uh, Coburn and Georgie together a lot. Mm. And it gets exploited defensively. And yet on the other end, I don't see Illinois consistently making smaller teams pay for it, you know, with their size. Um, so I, I just think that's how it's evolving, you know. Um, you, you just, you look around the league, Northwestern's gone with small looks and it's, even though they got beat last night, it's still, it's been to their benefit, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I think Iowa's done it more than I thought. I, I thought they would, I thought they would go a little bigger and instead they've gone with a lot of Wieskamp at the four mm. more than I expected. Um, you know, you just look around the league and it's, you know, Nebraska, we talked about this game. We're talking about it. You know, Michigan really with livers as a four is a small ball approach you know um it's it, ohio state it's a lot of teams around the conference so it's something michigan state really has to accept and and i I've, I've been on this train for a while now i do think the best if you're talking about ability to impact the game at both ends from a combo at those two post positions i think it's hall and hauser you know, and I'm not, I'm the furthest guy from arguing against Thomas Kithier getting minutes. I think he needs to continue to play a lot because of what he does. But, but even when he's not on the floor, I'm not seeing as much of Hauser and Hall together as I thought I might. And I think that's something Michigan State's got to take a look at eventually. Because if it's Hall and Hauser sharing the four, one, when Joey's in there, he's not as agile a defender. So you're losing that. And two, I think you're missing what those guys can give you as a combo offensively. And by the way, they're the two best rebounders. Mm -hmm. Regardless of size, Malik Hall is proving he's a very good rebounder. So I think you got to play him more, you know, for that, for that reason. And defensively, I think he's, he and Kithier have been the two most consistent defenders in that group. You know, so it's something to think about. We'll see what we what we find tomorrow, but I think that's something to watch. I think it's it's been very made very clear that AJ Hogard is still going to see a lot of minutes, and that's going to be interesting because as a freshman, this is a different kind of test than Nebraska. You know, they may not be that elite defensive team they were last year, but they're still pretty damn good and they're experienced, mm-hmm. and they're going to test him. So. I happen to think that AJ showed enough that I don't expect him to just fold 
against this team. I think that he will respond. It's just he's also going to make mistakes, and you just have to hope they're not too many. Mm-hmm. So, Okay. Well, this one's uh, 9 o'clock tomorrow. Uh, until then, the Final Four is not on the schedule. At Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail. The ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way. Offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.